of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding, insight, wisdom, revelation, that will come upon you again today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please, can you just turn around, greet three people around you, tell them God bless you, you are welcome to wisdom. Greet somebody else, you are welcome to wisdom. Or I can open our Bibles again to the book of um, Zechariah chapter 9. Let me just read, because we read a lot of it last time. Let's just read from verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem, because your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fall of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be cut off, and it will speak peace to the nations, and its dominion will be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. We read this last time, just wanted to pick it up from somewhere. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, that is, because of the covenant I have made with you, sealed with blood. He said, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Or I will set, I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless dungeon. He now said, return to the stronghold, O prisoners who still have hope. This very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. Please bear that in mind. Let's quickly go back to the story of the woman with the issue of blood, the book of Mark, chapter 5. Let's just do a bit of reading there. We want to bring up the issue of hope again, which I said we talked about some time ago. I don't know whether that was last year or the year before, but I've talked about this here and there. But of course, we keep reminding ourselves of these things, like Peter said, even though we know them already. Now, the story here is about the woman who had been in a state, had an affliction for 12 years. Verse 25, a woman who had had, of course, let yourself from verse 24. He went to go and attend to somebody who was begging him. My little daughter is at the point of death. So 24, and he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage, like we say, the issue of blood, for 12 years, and had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was not helped at all. The Bible says that instead of being helped, she had grown worse. Now this woman, after hearing about Jesus, came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, or literally she said within herself, or literally was saying, she was saying, not even within herself, the literal Greek there says, for she was saying, she was talking to people, she was having discussions, anytime the matter will come up, she will say something. If I just touch the hem, or the, touch his garment, or the edge of his garment, I will get well. If I will just touch, touch his garment, he said immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body 
that she was healed of her affliction. And immediately Jesus, in verse 30, perceiving himself that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? And the disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus, of course, ignored them. He looked around to see who did this, and he saw the woman. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, we have just read this to set a foundation which we began last time concerning the matter of hope. I should read this again, although you don't have to turn there because it's something that we all know very, very well. And that is the, issue, the one from the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That is, if somebody has hope, I feel like repeating it again, it is because he knows something. Hope is not a wish, is not a desire, is expectation, is something you're expecting. An expected occurrence. That's what the Bible calls hope. Why do you have an expected occurrence? It is because you have information and your mind decoded the information in a particular way. I hope you're getting my point. If a woman is pregnant and I say, how many months is she? And she says she's six months pregnant. I expect that in three months she should bring forth a baby. Let's assume, I've seen people before who are not happy. Their wife is pregnant, they are depressed because the fault they have now is a lot of trouble to take care of them. They don't want that pregnancy. I've heard of women who became pregnant and for two months they couldn't tell their husbands. And they'll say, when you ask them why not, say, ha, there will be trouble. And I always wonder, why should there be trouble? Who's responsible? <laughs> why should there be trouble? You, you didn't know your wife would get pregnant, you're not serious. You understand? <laughs> is it Virgin Mary that, it, look, if it's Virgin Mary now, you understand my point. You'll understand why she should know there will be trouble when you tell Joseph. But you, your husband live in the same house, and then you get pregnant, he say he, there will be trouble. He's not serious. So you see, what's in the wife? You say that, hey, I don't know how I'm going to tell my husband. I say, ah. Tell him, Oga. See, look at what you have done to me. He, that one, that's a very nice way to explain to him. So no man here will ever be, no wife will be ever be afraid to tell her husband something that he's responsible for. Amen? And the point I'm making, of course, you know what the reason? The man said, no, eh, he planned to have only three children, so because that's the one that God can take care of. That's the only one that God can supply resources for the family. The God that is not able. The God who only has enough resources for a family of four. Are you getting my point? <laughs> a man, his wife, and two children. That God now, you want to now embarrass him by adding more children for him to take care of. You know that kind of... Are you getting my logic? I know, you, I know they don't think it like that, but that's what they are saying. Now, despite the fact that the man is not happy, where am I going? If she's three months pregnant, what does he expect? In six months, she will deliver another baby that he does not want. That's his problem. And then sometimes when God really wants to do somebody strong, you know you call strong thing? 
when God wants to show you that He's God, and you must learn faith by force. The first time she goes to hospital, the doctor, the, the doctor doing the scan, say, ah, ah, madam, congrats, there are only three babies inside here. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and the woman was crying. Say, what? You crying? Say, <laughs> so I'm crying on my husband's behalf. <laughs> Some of you listening to me, God will do you like that. Say, man, I'm not saying it is you, you are saying amen for the guy beside you. Some of you listening to me, God will do it like that. Ah. I command you to say amen. <laughs> Some of you listening to me, the Lord will do you like that. Amen. We'll push, we'll push the children into your home. Amen. Look, I don't know, how can you be rejecting blessing like this? It's blessing we are discussing now. Uh-uh. It doesn't say God will remove your children. What did I say? God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever ask or imagine. Do you believe that scripture? May it happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Christians want to. You have to believe the word of God. Amen. Yeah, so everybody say, Pastor, please now relax with this prayer. I will pray, I'm a man of God. I will give myself continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So I'm praying today. Father, the word that you gave in the beginning will be confirmed in the lives of your children present here this evening. Amen. You said be fruitful, multiply. All of you will multiply. Amen. I will multiply too. Amen. The Lord will surprise us with embarrassing blessing. In the name of Jesus. If if you're a doctor of children, your portion is double. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. (laughs) Now, what I'm trying to say is this. So, you find a situation in which the man is not too excited. The woman is not too excited. It's not about desire. It's about what? Information. It's about fact. All things will equal. A woman who is pregnant, she's five months pregnant, in four months we expect the baby to come. It is not about desire. That's what they call hope. That's what they call hope. Hope is expectation, not desire. It's expectation. I may not want it to rain, but when the clouds begin to gather, and the breeze begins to blow, and I feel the, you know, you can smell the humidity in the air, and it's rising so rapidly, I know that rain is about to fall. Even though I have things to do, even though I have a party and we have chairs outside, I have expectation of rain. Please, don't forget, that's the meaning of the word hope. The modern word for hope is firm expectation. It's not just a desire. Alright? Now, next thing I should bring, I want you to understand, is our hope is one thing that God has established to keep people going. Your troubles today really don't affect you as much as you think. Do you understand? What really affects you is what you expect from it. That is why a woman whose stomach has been full for, you know, like we say, nine months, then she goes into pain. Do you understand? And she goes into pain. And then she's in pain. Nobody is worried. Nobody is worried. She's in pain, but nobody is worried. Why are they not worried? We know what to expect. 
And Jesus said it that in a short while, she will rejoice because a man has been born. That's the way the Bible says in King James, you understand? That is, even though she's in pain, and for some people it can really be distressing. But we're not too worried. If I remember when my brother's wife was in labor, and my colleague was the one taking care of, of, um, of her, and so, because she's my brother's wife and she was with us, so, of course, I went to hospital with her, my colleague's hospital. So, we sat outside. We're just gist. And occasionally, we hear shout. You know, there were like two women inside there, you know, doing the shouting thing. And we're near the door of the place. And he's a big man, just sat down. There were people monitoring. There were doctors, there were nurses there. And he and I stand there, we're gist. And occasionally, we hear a shout. We just say, oh, that's how it is in that stage of labor. And we'll continue talking. Do you want sweet? Yes, I want sweet. You know, there's no, there's no panic. There's nothing. Then after a while, he went inside, came back outside and said, okay, I should give him a short time. He'll be back. Then he went inside. You know, after another 15 minutes, he was back. And then behind me, I was here. You know what happened? A baby was born. So while the shout was going on, we're not concerned. Why? We know what to expect. The person shouting was not shouting for joy. I hope you know that. What was the shout about? Pain. Contraction. It wasn't shout for joy. The shout for joy is later. Are you getting my point? But why were we not in distress? We had what? Expectation. We know, we know where this is going. So the pain people go through is not the problem in life. And that's why sometimes when people are also in peace, they can still die of frustration. Why? Because look, you check what is life like tomorrow. Nothing. They're not in pain. But life doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And that is why many times, you know, if people think that if they have a lot of money, all their troubles will be solved. It is absolutely not true. It is absolutely not true. In fact, of course, money itself is a problem. I hope you know that. It's a problem. It's an assignment. You have... If I give, look, you are sleeping well, you don't have any trouble. As I had the capacity, I give you four billion naira. I'm not joking, you can run a normal man mental. You will need to go to hospital giving too much money. You can see him walking naked on the road. I know it sounds like an extreme, but it can happen. And you can do that to a man in one week of having too much money. You will realize that decision making is so difficult. Before, when he needed to manage just 10,000, it was easy to decide. But now you have so much money, you don't, at least, one day you just buy like eight, eight most expensive phones. Yes. Then in the money, you're not checking which one do you carry out. You now realize, how do I remove my SIM card? Did you understand my point? You now see, there are certain troubles that you now be wondering. Why is this trouble now? I'm not kidding about that. I know one man those days, he got, well, it wasn't really his money. He started a bank. The bank was doing very well. He didn't know how to manage things. One of those before the days, one of those earliest banks that failed in Nigeria. You know what the man used to do? If you go to the market, he wants to buy a car. That and Lexus just came out, LS400. He will buy black and white. He wants to buy an S, maybe those days, 500. He will buy one black, the other one red. So they pack the two. What is he doing with them? Nothing. Too much money. So money itself is a problem. That's why Warren Buffett, <laughs> he said you need, people say, oh, you, you just give it out. You know, if you disturb me, you give it out. Trust me, it's not as easy as that. 
Otherwise, it will just be throwing it away. Warren Buffett said, it takes as much sense to give out money as it takes to make it. To give out money is as difficult as making the money. So that's why one day he just decided that it's easier to give it to somebody who knows how to give out. So he gave out 85% of his money to Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. At that time, they were the reigning richest people in the world, that Bill Gates. I watched the video. Why? He said giving out money is not easy. That he has noticed that Bill Gates and his wife, they know how to do it. So he has a pledge to give out all his money. At that point, he took 85% and gave it out to them. He said, please guys, use it for what you know how to do. He said, so he freed himself of the headache. That now, at least I fulfilled and the, the promise I made to my wife and to, to the earth that I'm going to give out everything. At that point, 85% was gone. Now, this is where I'm going. So, money itself is a problem. It's a problem to solve. But let us assume somebody solved all your problems, solved your money problem, gave you money and solved money problem on top of it. Are you getting my point? If he solved all your problems totally, you will feel very useless. You will feel very, very useless. Life will become hopeless. Jokes apart, every day, God leaves challenges and assignments for us. It's one way by which he continues to give us life. That you have something else to solve. And every time a Christian looks and he has solved all the problems God commanded him to solve, always they have to depart the earth. Even if they are young, they have to go. As a matter of fact, even if they are young, they will have to go. And in case you did not know, that is the major reason John the Baptist died when he died. There is no revelation behind it. It is a simple thing. John the Baptist died because his assignment was to introduce Jesus Christ. And Jesus had been introduced. That was the... Go and check it. That was the only prophecy. There's one coming, mightier than I. So when Jesus came, his assignment was done. Now listen, God works different ways. Let me not go into that too much. But you see, that arrest of John the Baptist... The execution of John the Baptist by beheading, all of them happened because he said he must increase and I must decrease. And if you're going to read your Bible very well, Jesus did not preach until John the Baptist had been taken into custody. Now he did well. It was when he heard that John had been taken into custody that he began to declare, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So why did John the Baptist end at that point? His work was done. There did not remain for him anything to do on this earth. Same thing that happened with Paul. So he wrote that I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You understand? I have done everything that God commanded me to do. I read the story of the man. I, I also heard his, um, the, the, as I have the message somewhere. Theodore Epp. The last message he preached he went to a school, Bible, graduating class, Bible, study, Bible school students. And he said to them that this is the last message I'm going to give, except the Lord rules otherwise. He said, like Paul, I can say, I have finished my race, I've kept the faith, you know, I've done all of those things. That now remains only, I said that thing. The following day, he went for a routine checkup. Something went wrong and he died. That's the following week. You can sue the hospital, you can say anything you like. That was, that was not what killed Theodore Epp. 
That Saturday or Sunday he had preached and said, this is the last message I'm preaching, except God rules otherwise. He said, I can say like Paul, I have done everything I'm supposed to do. Then I told them the story of how back to the Bible started. That was the radio broadcast he was doing. He said, now, now I'm going to say something here. So, you see, it's the problems to solve, the assignments we have in front that keeps us going. That's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us going. Some people look and they're looking for where there is no problem. It makes me laugh. You're looking for how to fall sick. That's what you're looking for. That's why I never, I've never, that is, I've never believed in this word, retire. Christians don't retire. According to Archbishop Benson Daosa, what they do is refire. Oh yes, you have to refire. People work for civil service say, next year is my retirement, I'm retiring next year, they will not do party that they have retired. And I wonder, what are you celebrating? As you are retiring from one place, you should be starting something else. I like the woman, Mary Kay Ash, for that, of Mary Kay Cosmetics. She started Mary Kay Cosmetics after retiring. She worked in Stanley Home Products for a long time. Then when she retired, she started Mary Kay Cosmetics. She was a funny woman, never told us her age. But you don't retire at the age of 45. You know, it's not that she had too much money. I don't know exactly how old she was, but she started Mary Kay Cosmetics as a retired woman. Then became what she became. I don't believe in retirement. I think retirement is nonsense. If you mean retirement is in that you, you are changing course for some people, it's okay. I'm done with this going up and down doing this. This is what I now want to start doing. So I retired from... Are you getting my point? You can retire from something into another thing. But they just retire, go to the village, and be playing village politics, and picking your teeth in the morning. That is why a lot of people fall sick for that reason. Don't let challenges discourage you. That's part of the reason people stay, people stay alive. It's one of the reasons people stay alive. Are you getting my point? I said it last time, we must never let our hope be taken away. This is we have people committing suicide. There's only one reason people commit suicide. They've lost hope. Like I was telling you last time, there was a young lady went to a, a hospital in one of those countries, Netherlands or somewhere, somewhere in Europe, where deciding to die, they call it right to die. It's really legal. You can just wake up one day, decide you're tired of life, you walk to a hospital and tell the doctor, kill me. Like I told you, I don't want to use the word assisted suicide. It makes it look so very nice, tech. The doctor will terminate the life. And what did this girl do? He said that, look, that she has suffered too much. And so she's tired of suffering. And so she said, that's it. And they, 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 they killed her. It's legal in that country. Now, so, people end up dying because they've lost hope. Hope is powerful. Hope is not a wish. I've established that. Hope is, what do I expect concerning my future? What do I expect concerning my future? I was listening to Kenneth Hagin again. Something happened. I just stumbled into some messages of his some days ago. And since then, I've, I've got back into him again. I'm listening again and again and again. And I realized he was telling the story that for 12 years, he was a pastor from one church to the other. And he never buried one church member. And only two did not get healed under his watch. Every single, or that every other person 
she, he prayed, he taught the word until they got healed of whatever ailment, including cancer. So said there was one old woman, that's I'm telling the story, that he went to, she was, when he went to see her, she was really now, follow the story, she was very sick, she was in her 70s, she had cancer, her stomach was bloated, her body wasted, she had lost a lot, of course, weight, that is, the rest of her body, apart from the stomach that was just distending, she was pale, really sick, and they came to her, they wanted to pray. And she said, no, 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 no need to pray, let me die, I've saved the Lord, you know those kind of stories. <laughs> and he said to her, no, if you want to die, there's no problem, you can die. But first, you will get healed. Then when you've gotten healed, you can die if you want to. And the woman was like, oh, no, no, just leave me. And I said, he realized, he went with somebody, I think his wife or another pastor, that they realized at that point that praying for her wouldn't work. Because she had given up hope. So they now pray the prayer. You know, I said last time, if I, that was when I noted it again. I said, you can pray for anything. He said, he now prayed with her and said, Lord, please help us or help her. Don't let her cast away hope. I remember he used the word. So he prayed for her that her hope will not be removed. That she will not lose hope. And they continued coming to see her, sharing with her, encouraging her to want to stay alive. In fact, Ken Hagen says something. That when he was a little boy, when he was severely sick, had a heart problem, had a blood disease, and that time, once a doctor talked, he said he talked to one doctor and said, will it make any difference if I really want to live? That is, if I have the will to live. And he said, the doctor said to him, if you have that, you've won half of the battle. That half of the battle is already won. If you just have that. He said, in that case, he told himself, I've won half of the battle. I want to live. I don't want to die. So, he prayed with this woman, and they kept on coming, talking with her, helping her to see that you don't have to die. That this does not have to be a death sentence. Then when he got her through that phase, then her hope, now that's the point I'm making, was rekindled. Her hope was rekindled. Hope is not just desire now. Are you getting my point? They just made it clear to her that God heals. And this, this situation does not have to be a death sentence. Then they began to pray. They began to minister the word. They began to pray. And after some, I don't know, I've forgotten exactly how long now, but it took a while. Of course, this went on for weeks. I think they will carry her, bring her to church so that she can hear the word being taught. Make a long story short. One day, she got up. She was totally well. The cancer was gone, and I think she now lived to be 90-something. What I'm bringing out is that the first thing that you know, she must not cast away hope. It's very, very important. And so people that these days we hear people committing suicide. That's just what it is. It's a natural... Listen. It's not, I can never commit suicide. If you tell me I can never commit suicide, all you have told me is that I have something to live for. You have not told me anything about the strength of your character. You have told me nothing about the strength of your character. All you have told me is that you have something to live for. And that is why the highest suicide rates in the world are not seen in poor countries. I hope you are getting my point. No. 
countries that are in the economy, they are not the ones that are committing suicide the most. Some of the highest rates in the world, I don't have the facts now, is from very rich countries. And not amongst the poor, amongst the rich. We just wake up in the morning. Some of us are by one, you pay, you pay one country those days. That there are guys who just go home, they were going to work every day. You know, countries where the social, social structure is perfect. You don't have a jo- job, does not mean you won't have money. You have a house, you have everything. A proper social structure, the safety net, fantastic. Yet, they have one of the highest suicide rates. Why? Because a man will go to work every day, come back, park, ride the lift to his house on the 17th floor somewhere. Then after he does that for like a few years, he starts wondering what am I doing? He starts feeling like a robot. <laughs> Get my point. You feel like part of the Matrix. How many of you have seen the movie Matrix? You all feel like part of the Matrix. Like what is going on? So sometimes they will now look and say, why go down the lift? Why don't you just go through the window? And literally they will walk out through the window and you get tap below. The guy thought, well, this is more exciting than going out. Now what I'm going to say, so when you see people committing suicide, what is happening is that their hope has been stolen. Last time I explained that where does hope go? It's a spiritual substance. There are evil spirits going around tapping it. You know mosquitoes? What do mosquitoes do? They come and suck blood. Ticks stick to animals and even human beings we allow them and suck blood. A lot of evil spirits know what they're doing? Sucking blood. They're like, what's that one that stays in water? Leash, yes. Leashes, that's what they are. Just stick to you and they're sucking. I want to suck somebody too much, the hope we finish. And once hope finishes, the fellow will die. If he doesn't commit suicide, he will die naturally. I don't know what I get my, you get my point. There are people who die. I remember they used to read books that people die of what they call give up itis. They just give up. And you check them, they die. You don't know what's wrong with them, but they are dead. I remember once when we were little, when we were on um, residency those days in Luz, there was young, one young girl. Her father and her mother quarreled. Please, father and mother, try not to quarrel. Think of your children, yeah? Try your best. Alright? Try. Find all kinds of methods not to quarrel. So father and mother quarreled, and mother and the, I think the mother left, something like that, or left the children with the father, something like that, okay? Uh, it's not as if she left as in, as in, she's angry, she left. She left as in the man said, don't come back here. You know those kind of living, I don't know who left, who drove somebody, who did not drive, you know, are you getting my point? Make a long story short, share. This young girl, about 10, something between 8 and 12. I'm not very sure now. Now, I'm telling you this story because she died and we had to examine why she died. Okay? This young girl fell sick. They brought her to hospital, gave her all kinds of treatment. She refused to recover. They know they didn't do. Father had money. Anytime they get there, you know what she asked for? Where's my mommy? Every time she asked for her mother, her mommy didn't show up. So, she died. <laughs> the only thing she ever asked for. So, you are giving her injection, where's my mother? You are giving her food, where's my mommy? I know children are very, very notorious for asking for their mothers. There. 
When I, when I read this in one magazine, I laughed. I laughed because it was, it, I felt it. It's a normal thing. Knock on the door. Hello, who is that? It's me. Oh, victory. What do you want? Is mommy there? It's, I want to ask mommy something. That is, I'm not exaggerating. If I get a knock on my door from any of the children, seven times out of ten, they want to ask mommy for something or they want to tell mommy something. So that, if you remember that joke, so I say, hey, mommy, my head hurts. Mommy, I'm hungry. Mommy, I want to change my shirt. Mommy, this. Mommy, did. Then daddy, where is mommy? <laughs> really, I've experienced it. So you can't imagine what happened to that girl. They took away her mommy. And she just gave up on life. And she died. So people can give up in life and that results in death. You know, sometimes when you see people, you know, analyzing why diseases happen and all of that, the causes of diseases are usually, they are narrowly discussed. When, you know, orthodox doctors are discussing these things, they tend to, you know, normal scientists, they focus on a very narrow range of causes. But this evidence keeps on showing up that diseases occur from, they are spiritually determined. You understand my point? Yes. And that's why, let me just say this, recently, they placed a cap on how long a man can live. Science found out something, something. And I said, don't believe them. Don't believe them. Because once you believe, you know, you adjust your expectation. And those things are very powerful. They're very, very powerful. What I'm teaching, okay, is that people must, you know, you know I said, something I said, talking about total faith, and we're still discussing it. So on Saturday, I'll still continue talking about it. There are four areas we said that you must ensure that your life is built on the word of God. One of them is your expectation. One of them is your expectation. Please do that deliberately. You know what I've been saying it. It's something we do what? Deliberately. Make sure your speech is deliberately built on God's word. The way you talk. Make sure that the manner, the way by which you do your business, the way you run your life, the way you relate with your husband, relate with your wife, relate with your children, relate with your boss, relate with your work, relate with your career, relate with your country, whatever it is, make sure you are deliberate in building it on God's word. That is, if you are talking to your husband, ask yourself, is this how the Bible says I should do it? If you are talking with your wife, ask yourself, is this what the Bible says I should do? If you are spending your money, you ask yourself, am I spending it the way the scriptures say I should spend it? I don't want to go into the money issue now. The world has a lot of things to tell you to do about money. Do you understand? <laughs> Ask yourself, when it's saying, okay, uh, multiple streams of income. I'm not saying it's wrong. Just go to your Bible and say, where did the Bible discuss multiple streams of income? It's there, you know? I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just trying to say that. Before you swallow it, go and find out. If the Bible says, no, every man must have one stream of income, tell them I'm not interested. If the Bible says, okay, you allow only three streams of income, say, I like three streams of income. Say why? The scriptures say that. If you want to spend your money, you say, what will happen? Put money aside. What will happen tomorrow? You never can tell about tomorrow. He said, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. So the money you kept aside for tomorrow, go. I'm not joking. You know what you do? You take it and spend it. So what if I don't have anything to spend it on? Keep it first. Something to spend on will soon come. That's how life is. But not know this one, I've kept it. I see people say for retirement. I said, that is why you will be tired. If you make up your mind, then this life, I will never retire. 
Not because of desire, but because of discovery. There's a difference between desire and discovery. He said, what's my discovery? Psalm 92. He said, you'll be fruitful in old age. So that's why I don't understand retirement. I don't understand retirement. The messages I, was, I told you I was listening to Kenan Higgins recently, he preached them after 60 years in ministry. After 60 years. I noticed when he began some of those messages, his voice would be a bit slow and shaky. You understand? But after like 10 minutes, you can't distinguish that voice from the Kennedy of 20 years before. The anointing has come upon him. He's firing away and telling stories the way he always told stories. I, I listened to him after 70 years of ministry. And I said, look, that particular day, you know, I, I parked into my father-in-law's compound because he had a farm and so they had some houses there, so we moved in. That was on a Tuesday. Do you remember that 17th of May, 1925, was a Tuesday? Everybody started laughing. An 80-year-old man is giving you date and time. He said, then the woman came into the passage through the back. My wife and I went out to go and see her. She arrived at 1.30. I remember because I looked at the clock before I went out. And that was in 1932. And you telling you this story 60 years ago. And the same man explained that, look, there was a time he was reading Reader's Digest. And they told him that as you are getting older, you start forgetting. And he started preparing to be forgetting. Until one day he read his Bible. And the story was told about Lazarus and the rich man at whose gate he used to beg. And Abraham said to him, son, remember. He said, ah, wait, a dead man can remember. Why can't an old man remember? So he threw away that doctrine and rejected it. That's why I tell people all the time, stop making excuses for disabilities. Stop saying the reason why my knees are paining me is because I'm old. Your knee is paining you is not a sin. But stop saying it's because you are old. Because the, you are going to get older. So it becomes more painful. That's a prophetic word. You are giving to yourself. So knee is paining you. Knee is paining me. What do I need? I need healing. I lay hands on it. I go and pray. But I refuse to accept. That's because I'm getting old. If I forget something, who doesn't forget? You can't have the number of things some people have to do. You won't forget some things. God makes you forget so as to keep you sane. The man who forgot Joseph, was it because he was old? Like I said on Saturday, you make up your mind the realm in which you want to live your life. The man rejected that doctrine. That's going to take now. And as an old man, he was still remembering things. No. She listened to his messages when he was old. At that time, he took joy in giving details. So that's what he will tell you. That was 2.30 in the afternoon. Oh, I know because I looked at the time. It was just five minutes after I finished doing this. And that was on the 16th of July. Say, oh, you remember 16th of July was a Monday? That's how he talks. He said it was a Monday. Then on Tuesday, this happened. And he waited for exactly three weeks. And this story is telling 50 years ago. Because one day he rejected a doctrine. And listen to me, whatever you believe in the spirit becomes flesh. The word became flesh is a principle. It's not just the life of Jesus. The word becomes flesh. That's why, listen, if God allows me, I would like to write that book about marriage. On title, I need to know. Before you marry a man, check what he believes. 
two of our big ministers in Nigeria, two of our biggest ministers, in the short space of time from one another, they divorced their wives, or their wives divorced them, or somebody divorced the other person. And what's, what made me feel bad? Alright? It wasn't too surprising. Why well, wasn't too surprised? Okay, I felt bad because of this position they held and all of that. In both cases, it was treated casually. In fact, one of them walked up to church and announced in church that, um, assuming the wife's name is Sister Eve, now, I just wanted people to, to know that Sister Eve has answered the call of God to be a missionary in Botswana. And the call of God for my life is to be a pastor in Nigeria. So we have found it convenient to divorce and go our separate ways so that we can each fulfill the call of God. Amen. Praise God. Open to the book of Philippians chapter 5. Like nothing happened. There's no Philippians chapter 5. I hope you understand it. Like nothing happened. But in both cases, in both cases, I heard some 15 years at least before both situations happened that in their Bible schools, that was what they were teaching. One of my friends who was a Bible school student in one of those churches, he scattered the class when he got to that point one day. They gave him, they explained why you and your wife can divorce each other, can get a divorce. So he put up his hand and said, that does not make sense. And the man saying that you are talking like this because you have never entered those shoes. He argued with the man that day. He said, I thought in this ministry what we preach is a healing Jesus. He said, are we not here learning about the healing Jesus? Why is that this scenario you have painted for me? Jesus cannot touch it. They had to calm him down. He scattered the class. He said, Lila, I will not accept it. I don't care who taught it to you. Tell them I will not accept it. When they came to Lagos to come and do graduation, I saw him, he was there. I said, you're not graduating. He said, no. He didn't tell me why until much later. He said, I don't graduate nonsense graduation. I'm not wearing your cap. You can't, I'm not taking your certificate. You are teaching nonsense. But he finished the course. Make sure he passed the exams. He said, but I want people to know. I'm refusing it. It's not because I can't pass. I can pass. I'll finish passing. Take. I'm not, I don't want. So he followed them to Lagos for graduation, from wherever they were coming. I saw him say, oh boy, Alpha, I just that. I just smiled. He didn't tell me anything. It was years later. He told me, oh boy, what they are teaching? Me, I will refuse to swallow it. And let's be careful what you believe. What they believed happened to them exactly. The man who came and announced casually in church, listen, one of our brothers was he, one of the people that started the church. He said, it's one of the reasons why he left. He said, if you know what they are teaching us in the inner caucus. He said, he got out and he left. And what they were teaching happened to the big boss some 20 years afterwards. The word will become flesh and dwell with you. That's why you have to be careful. That's why I'm writing the book. I, I tell I have the thoughts you know, to put it down. Um, um, I need to know. I need to know what you are thinking in your mind. You're a single lady, Christian, or if you're a Muslim, I really don't care. But Christian. And they tell you that, uh, a, woman, a man tells you that, as far as he's concerned, though, his mother is the most important person to him. I say, what about your wife? Ah, she will have to know her place. So my mother suffered for us. Don't fight him. Don't argue with him. Just refuse to marry him. Abby? It's not a free country. 
Don't, 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 don't. There's no need to fight, though. It's not what is wrong with you. You like and I make you the fight. Listen, just leave the guy. He said, Ah, hey, Angela, I've been calling you. Don't answer my call again. <laughs> my sister, brother, call your mother because as I did so. <laughs> call your mother. <laughs> call your mother. Time for any nonsense call from a man that will tell me that if I don't bomb boy, I'm in trouble. <laughs> there are things a man will say, you know, you're not supposed to marry him. There's, not, there's, a, there, there, there's something a girl will just say, just not say, okay. Yeah, fine, no. God will bless you. You're a good girl. But like I always say, we're not looking for good men, no. And when I say some people, some people misunderstand me. And I said that we are not looking for a good man. I mean it. Some people have used it to abuse me behind. Some women will go behind and say, Pastor Park is making our men ungood. Is that my English all right? They say that uh, it's because of me. The men are not treating them nicely. Listen, if it was because of me, they are not treating you nicely, you'll be enjoying more. Because, you see, some people just re- receive only half of what you are saying. If your husband receives everything I'm saying, you'll be rejoicing. You won't be complaining. What is ice cream? Will ice cream lead you to eternity? Say, so because of you, my husband does not carry me to coastal. Let me go freeze your brain. You are not serious. Give that sign, my friend. Go back home. <laughs> the man has listened to me. He knows he does not have money yet. Don't make him waste it. Don't worry. Time will come. He will buy you the whole shop. Don't worry. Don't worry. She'll say, my wife, eat that shop for one week. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, people say, because of you, our men are not nice. Your men are not listening to me completely. If they listen to me completely, they will be no, that because, you know, the Bible says there is a righteous man and there is a good man. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. There is a difference. Good men are good, nice people. But godly men, that's what I'm talking about. Godliness is superior to niceness. Godliness begets niceness. It may take time. Eventually, it begets it. So, look, I'm not looking for good people. Though. Ah, that girl is very nice. Before you come like this, we'll give you rice. Listen, Jezebel too cooks. I'm telling you, Jezebel cooks. That's the Bible says, charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. I know what I'm telling you. Girl is nice. Man is nice too. Buy you recharge card. Your head is not straight again. Buy you phone. You know, some girls will marry because the man bought them phone. Because they never bought you phone before. Poverty is your problem. Come on, wake up. Know what is valuable. That's where I'm going. Ask yourself, how is you, you know, I was making a statement. There's a kind of statement the woman will make. You know she's not your wife. I'm telling you the truth. No matter if it, you know there are things you say, God appeared to me. God appeared to Balaam, and Balaam was wrong. I have never seen anybody persuade me that God is the reason why he's doing all this, this marriage thing. And uh, I'm not saying God does not lead people. Are you getting my point? He led me too. He led the prince clearly, but that one does not impress me. I must see the divine principles you are walking by. You see where I'm going? There are statements a woman will make, you know she's not the will of God. I don't care the vision you saw. If it's the vision, wait. The vision is for what? An appointed time. Wait for it. Not now. Listen to me. No his. That's why the man suffered till... You know what happened to him? He gave his life to Christ, which is a good thing, amen? Then he answered the call to ministry. His wife packed her bag and said, I will not be a pastor's wife. And she walked out and never came back. And that man never remarried. Some people are eunuchs for the kingdom's sake. That's the way to define Novahis. 
his wife they, they didn't quarrel but you know she was a she was a silence mama you know they call silence mama nails well manicure everything in order well arranged he testified that she looked like elizabeth taylor that was his own testimony I said, okay, that's what the Bible says. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is what? Zero. It's vain. There are statements a woman will make. Like, oh, this ministry thing. I don't know why people say they are doing ministry. For what? Listen, if you are, we're about to print wedding card. Tell, tell pressman, wait. I just saw this girl insult ministry. No respect for the word. Your life, your, your life is over. Yeah, I'm talking to serious Christians. If you're a Muslim, you're a Hindu. You are part Hindu, part Christian. You came, for, you came for Bible study. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about those who are committed to the Lord. You go back. You know what Bishop Bilebo did those days? He wrote a vow to serve God and make the girl sign it. If you don't sign it, I'm, we are not getting married. He kept the paper till now. He copied that vow from a book. A dedication that Oswald J. Smith wrote about. He copied it out. I went to her house. and said, okay, you know I proposed marriage and you agreed. She said, yes. I forgot to tell you one part of it. What part? He said, I will serve God no matter what. I will serve God. There's no we in this matter. I will serve God no matter what. As for me and my life, we will serve the Lord. Do you agree? She said, yeah. He made her read it. When she agreed, she said, sign it. Now the girl looks at say, this Christmas, this serious. <laughs> said, this smart man is serious. She signed it. The man thanked her very well and went back home. Why am I saying all of these things? Because Expectation is based, is based on what you believe. And if you hear somebody believe nonsense, it will create a wrong expectation for him, for her, and you'll be crazy to go and join yourself to such a person. The man is telling that, ah, no, doesn't believe that uh, all these ones that uh, if, if people are not agreeing, you go your separate ways. And they say, do you lawfully agree to marry this one? You say, yes, I do. You, you yes, they crazy. Honestly. You, you, you still go. He's already told you from the beginning. Me, I don't take nonsense. Because in this life, somebody must take nonsense. That's what life. Jesus took nonsense from Judas for three years. Took nonsense from the Romans for a few hours. Crucified him. That's just how life is. You take nonsense once in a while. The man, okay, not taking nonsense is not my problem. It's what is the consequence of his not taking nonsense? Now tells that he read in one book that a Christian can divorce his wife anytime he likes and you still marry him. You are a gluten for punishment. You say, but he's very nice. There's no problem. You will enjoy the fruit of niceness later. You know why the Bible says charm is deceitful and beauty is what? Vain. That word charm or favor is what we modern day we call nice. Say so niceness is deceitful. Young women, why am I talking about this? Just listen to me. A man is nice, you do impress you if you're a Christian. I'm not saying she can't can attract you, but it should not impress you. It shouldn't impress you. There's nothing impressive about it. You know, he knows how to treat a lady. Listen to me. That guy's life is most likely fraudulent. I'm not kidding. Because most of us, you need experience to know how to treat a lady. I don't know whether I get my point. Me, I know how to treat a lady. As I did so, I know. If I want, <laughs> The other day, when my office, me and one of my colleagues were talking, something led to the discussion. I said, after marrying this, my wife, for 20 years almost, thank God for the righteousness of Christ. 
If Nana, I want this woman. I said the Holy Spirit talks to you, you will marry me, no matter who you are. Yeah. It's simple now. I want to teach this small boy so that they can be real. <laughs> you know, there's a kind of patience you have developed over time. After 20 years and children. You know, you have, a, you have the, the patience of God. The woman was the girl would say, ah, he's so nice, he's so nice. Why won't I be nice after 20 years of practice? What will a man do for 20 years that he will not learn? Even if not guitar. <laughs> no, you say check out. <laughs> uh-uh. 20 years of sometimes you want to talk. My wife says, let me finish, let me finish. You're not let <laughs> Now go and try it on one young girl, 19 years old, 22 years old. And I say, oh, he's so good, he's so nice. Huh? I've practiced. And some young ladies have been deceived. Like, you know, those guys who humanize the Lord, that's, they are very good. That's why they get plenty. They are very good. They know what to say. They know what not. They know when to call you. As at now, as at yesterday, what's today? Tuesday. I still made my wife blush. I can show you the chat. I'm blushing here. You know what I did? Let me tell you guys, senior guys, so you can know how to do it. I was at work. Oh. Let me tell you. <laughs> so there's this picture of my wife there, you know, and I some picture we took on the phone. Ah! I just said, and I said, you know, there's this, you know, this smiley, the guy licking mouth. I told my wife, I'm looking at you here, and I said, lick him out. No? And we have replied with, I'm blushing. <laughs> 20 years of marriage, she's still blushing. The Lord is good. That's a woman, don't let him impress you. We can practice these things. A man who fears the Lord shall be praised. That's what I'm saying. So please, so please, those of you who say that I don't, I say people should not be nice. You should understand what I'm saying. So I'm not saying niceness is bad. I'm just don't let it impress you. It can be put on. But the fear of God, you can't put that one on. The true fear of God. So when I say I need to know, that's what I mean. Check what the fellow is really thinking inside. Because that thing eventually will become what? Flesh. That thing eventually will become flesh. Forget who is nice. Forget the fact that he's spending money on you. Check the very things that the fellow is thinking in the depths of the heart. That is what becomes flesh. I'm talking about hope. I've not forgotten what I'm talking about. So hope, God keeps us alive through hope. We derive our hope from God's word. We don't derive it from the situations around in life. People lose hope when they hang their hope on the wrong thing. I said on the last time that hope can be disappointed. The only hope that will not be disappointed is when it is anchored on Christ. If it is anchored in God, that is why it will never be disappointed. Sometimes people have expectation. Like the young boy who they say committed suicide. Why did he do it? He's a first class student. He thought that was the 
pathway to life, always being on top. He had to impress somebody. I don't know the details about his life. I'm not judging him. I'm just trying to explain something here. And then when that failed, and sometimes for some people, it's in their own abilities that they've trusted. And occasionally God helps them and shows them early in life that your ability will fail you. But then because they've so trusted their own abilities, that's it. Their expectation is cut off. That's why you must learn to rejoice, like James said, when you fall into diverse temptations. You write the best, <laughs> you write the best business plans. You can be sure it will not work. I hope you know that. Any man who's so sure this business plan will work, you just know that he has never done business. Those who have done it, they know it doesn't work. I was talking, of course, you know the story I was t- telling you about. Talking with Reverend Victor one day. He said, <laughs> say, man of God, I have, I have worked in this life. It's a very, you know, but not done business successfully. He said, but, he said, I have worked very hard. He said, but 95% of what I have today is just grace, just God. He said, I can't explain why. He said, you make business plans, make plans, make plans, make plans. You expect them to work well. They don't. He says, some you make plans like that too. You expect them to work okay. But he was tremendously and he keeps working. He said, experience has taught him that it is just God. So when people have faith, they, their trust is in their own strength. When their strength fails them, you understand? They get discouraged. But I'm saying to you as a believer, you should be happy. If your own strength, your own plan, your own plans fail, be happy. If your strength disappoints you, be glad. Ah, it's a blessed thing. It's a blessed thing. It's not a reason to commit suicide. It's a reason to be happy. It's a reason to be happy. It's a reason to be happy. One of the things the Lord did for me that time was, after my wife said, I got to Lagos and I saw how people were doing business and making money. And I realized that actually the Bible says it. By strength will no man prevail. So I said, I will, I'm, not, I'm not planning to be, I was not planning to be lazy. I will walk, I will do what I have to do. But I do not believe it is my struggles that will bring anything my way. It is purely the blessing of God. That's all. Some of the most brilliant ideas I've given my wife in this life, they have been the most useless ones. Acted upon them and proper failure. You know, thank God I don't preach something. You know, God has blessed me with something. I know how to separate my ideas and preaching. When I'm on the pulpit, I, I, I behave myself. Stick with what the words say. I speak prophetically and by you no know, unveiling of truth alone. My own ideas, we'll talk about it after. That's why most of them, most of them I vote presidential level. My candidates will lose. And I like that too. So next time I tell you to do something by force, just say, Pastor, I beg, that's why they vote. <laughs> No matter how much you think you know, God has to disappoint your own abilities first before he can bless you. That was what he did with Jacob. And one of the reasons why Esau was never blessed was that Esau was too strong. That's the reason. Esau was a strong man. Esau knew how to do everything. Esau was a man who had his own strength. By his own energy, he planned to do everything and get anything he wants in life by his own struggles. And God said, I can't use this one. 
But there's a man who after having been beaten, he holds the law, say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Somebody who has been weakened. I told one of our sisters once, after we discussed and discussed and discussed, I said, you know what your problem is? I said, you are too strong. I said, God needs to conquer you first. How God conquers people is frustration. He doesn't conquer you by talking to you. You know, when the man wants to marry a woman, you know, be nice. You're know, talking about niceness just now. Oh no, Angela, I was in your house yesterday. What happened? Where did you go? So I brought you this flower. Do you like it? I brought it to you it's your birthday. That's how a man tries to win a woman. No, so. When God wants to win you over, it's very simple. No, it's not by dashing you anything. When you have made a plan, say, fill that plan for me. When the plan fails, ah! We invest a lot of money, a lot of time. God says, let it fail. Let it fail. When it fails, you try again. You go to people that you know, they will disappoint you. When everyone else will have failed you. You now remember what David said. How did David say it again? He said, when the whole world forsakes me, the Lord will pick me. There's something like that. Remember that scripture? <laughs> when my mother and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will pick me up. That's why you, there are some statements. You know, you must know how to read your Bible. There are statements David made. He wasn't talking about, I was studying my scriptures this morning, and I discovered that when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord, no! He saw forsaking left and right. Everybody departing from him. Go ahead, the story in First Samuel chapter, I think chapter 30, Ziglag. When even your men want to stone you, you will know how to trust the Lord. When everybody, look, there are things, let's see, Christians, eh, you can, let me tell you the truth, eh? I preach correct doctrine. <laughs> you can have problems, it's not an issue. The righteous man fails how many times? Yes. That's how I many that he falls. When David say, said that, listen, my enemies don't rejoice over me because if I fall, I shall rise again. You know what I say all the time? No man standing straight says that. The only person that says that is on the floor. He's on the floor looking up and say, my enemy, don't rejoice over me even though I fall. You have to be on the floor to say some things. It's only when you're on the floor you say such things. So Christians, take your... Don't, you know, I told you, there was a time there. Eh, they made it look as if faith means that everything in your life goes and when you plan it. Hallelujah. You rather plan the war, you commit it to the Lord. Hallelujah. And you begin to declare, this is how it's going to be. And the sign of faith is everything. Listen. If everything you plan worked out like that, you are not blessed. I want you to understand it is not faith that everything works out. What is faith is no matter what may come my way, my life is in his hands. That's what faith is. You know what faith means? Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil. Who just gets up to be looking for a valley of shadow of death to pass through? You think I just woke up in the morning and say, sweetheart, where do we pass? There's one valley of the shadow. <laughs> no, it's you are going on the road. You turn left, you turn right, suddenly you find yourself left and right. You are in the deep, darkest valley. You didn't plan for it. That's why you remember the scripture. I will fear no evil. For even though we are here, the Lord is with us. His rod and his staff, they will comfort us. Don't worry, in the midst of our darkness, he has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Let them be there laughing. Their laughter will soon talk to sorrow. Why? Because the Lord is with us. There are revelations that come to you only in the midst of failure. I hope you're getting my point. So let nobody come and say, you know, like nothing ever goes wrong with their lives. 
Listen. Let me say something. <laughs> Today my wife and I were watching a video. It's a bed I mean, that preached it. I don't know how many of you have seen it. Ah, my wife looked and said, This is my husband self. I remember one day we were in church, one man was preaching, he said he's telling lies. She <laughs> just remember that they said, Remember this, this man was preaching, you say he's lying. Because every Davina said it. That he was so frustrated with life. Why? He said, I've been preaching things I know are not true. So I told my wife, I said, eh, now I'm being vindicated. When I used to tell that all these men are saying, this they can't be possibly correct. He's saying now, he said that he has repented. That now he has found Jesus. Yes. I can show you the video. He said, now I have found Jesus. I am in him. I have discovered him. My life is in him. I said, praise God. When we're saying this is, it was as if, uh, uh, are you the only one that knows everything? The man has said that everything he was saying to you was a lie. He said, I was a master of prosperity. He said, I could collect money from Satan himself. He said it. He said, when he asked himself, is this what the, all our life is about? To preach and then collect money, telling people lies to collect their money. He said it. He said, that's what I was doing. Don't let anybody come and deceive you. Make it look like by faith he has never had troubles. Uh, nobody that has not had troubles. What I'm just preaching to you is that even though in the midst of trouble, there is no reason to lose hope. Why? Your hope is in the Lord. In fact, God likes trouble because it's his opportunity to multiply things. That's what he does. Without troubles, it's so hard to multiply. So when there's trouble, just relax, just relax. You hang your hope in the Lord. And what am I preaching? Never let it go. It's only prisoners, that's where we began from, that still have what? Hope. And where where does hope come from? Remember, it's by faith. Faith is a substance of what? Things hoped for. That is, if a man has hope, it is because he has faith. It's what he has interacted with. Last time I explained it, how do people lose hope? Is the leeches, the bugs of life, the mosquitoes, they sucking it out. Really try sucking out. They stay on Instagram. They sit with friends. They stay on, you know, chat groups where people just sap away their hope. And they literally, they literally lose hope. One of our brothers told me something once. Shortly after he left school. He said once it was with people, they were talking. <laughs> so when they finished analyzing the situation of the country, he didn't know when he started crying. He said he started crying. The same man today, you cannot shake his hope and his belief in what God will do in this country. You can't shake it. Except for that day, he finished talking. Then he said, he, he broke down and began to cry. You know why he was crying? He said, My life is over. And nothing has happened to him. He has just left school, just finished NYSE. And he talked to people and they made it clear that his life was over. And he didn't force, nothing was wrong. Just hearing people talk. What am I preaching today? There's no reason to lose it. Failure is not a problem. Spiritual things are very real. You know, let me tell you something. Eh? <laughs> this God has helped me. I pray we understand him very well. Oh. God can take failure. Eh? Turn it around. You'll be conversing. Please, everybody try and fail. Try and fail. Honestly. <laughs> By the time God t- turns failure around for you, you'll be looking. Anybody that says, you failed. Hey, praise God. You hug the person. Ah, amen. You are blessed. Ah, person, sir. 
Ma, I just told you what happened. He said, yes, now I heard you now. And you are saying, ma, I'm blessed. Ah, this is how to, this, you are blessed. When they bless people, pass through this. Why are you talking like that? Because God will have so turned your life around. You'll be remembering all the disappointments, all the troubles, all the money you lost, everything, the time you were sick, two years you were in hospital, all those kind of things. You'll just be remembering it. And you now see what God did. And you know, sometimes he does it directly as a result. Making it look as if, if I didn't pass through this, my life won't be what it is today. That's why you're now be looking. You'll be telling people, please try and fail. Have you ever failed? You've never failed. Hey. You have not failed. How you? How you go manage now? <laughs> You're worried. <laughs> As I let me look, let nobody come and impress you that uh, you run to where life is easy. Bad news, life is not easy anywhere. You've heard this said, safety is not the absence of danger. What is safety? The presence of God. That's what safety is. It's not the absence of danger. And I can assure you, prosperity is not the presence of environmental, you know, stability. It is when God has commanded a blessing upon you. That's what it is. When God has commanded a blessing. Do you know the truth? Except we are put under pressure. Many of the things God wants to do in our lives, it will never be done. Let me say, one of the things God is trying to do, like we said, I forgot who said it, but I've heard it many times, that the real blessing of, hey, how does it go again? That what a man really gets for anything he does in this life, or the real how does it go again? Yes, that's it. That, that's the real blessing. You pass through things in life. It's not what you get materially, but what you become in the process. That's what's most important. That is what is most important. Please, pardon me if I use a man like Dan Gotti to tell stories again and again. That's because he's a well-known man, and Jesus used to tell stories with money also. So that's why he used his last as an example. Inka told me something about him the other day. Now, he said last year they paid him dividends. Okay? And we calculated it from cement business alone. In one year, he was paid $800 million. The fact I I asked Inka many many times, are you sure? He said, yes, sir. It's 270 something billion naira that one man was paid in one year from cement. Like I was yesterday in Abakliki, it was a joke. I said, there's a kind of money you hear, you understand? You will serve God. Because even the devil doesn't have it. <laughs> you sit down, you know, you go and meet the devil and say, I want, I want to be paid 300 billion naira in one year as dividends. They will look at you and say, where will I get it from? <laughs> I'm ready to sacrifice. Say, what will you sacrifice? Give your father, give your mother. I don't have it now. <laughs> that's a joke about it. No, but that's not the main issue. It's the story Yinka told me about it that was the issue. The cement business hmm, that is making him so much money now. There was a time things were not going so well here and there. He decided to sell this business. I was going to sell it to, I think, Lafarge. They negotiated a price. Then it wasn't manufacturing cement. I think it was just importing and bagging and stuff like that. They, they, they negotiated a price. And he agreed for the price. No, sorry, they negotiated a price. They made him sign. He was going to sign 
a non-compete clause that will not do cement maybe for 15 or 20 or 50 years. I don't know the exact amount of years. Okay? So there was now one small problem. The amount of money he told them to pay, they were not willing to pay that amount. They would pay something slightly less. Not too much. And he said the money they were going to pay was okay for him. There was only one problem. He said the gist was out that he was in financial distress. So if he accepted that amount, it will confirm the gist outside that he's in financial distress. So just to kill that gist, he insisted that those guys should pay the amount he's asking for. And they said no. So he refused to sell. And right now, what he makes in one year, <laughs> I hope you get what I say here. So look, everybody passed through distress. The man said that if he didn't die the year he bought uh, Obajan or something, he won't die for a long time. Distress almost killed him. Listen, many of us, eh, except we go to trouble. That if those guys had just agreed to add maybe $100 million to what they are asking, he was asking for that time, he would have stood and gone away. So they refused, and that's the only reason why one year now they are paying him $800 million as dividends. He doesn't own it exclusively. They are other, other shareholders. His own portion. So sometimes people deny you, they refuse to help you, and you are, you are angry. You are still angry. And you don't realize why you have not been promoted since that time. You are still angry at those who denied you something. You are still angry after all these years. Meanwhile, they did you a favor. 50th anniversary of, I think, I think it was 50th anniversary of Johnson and Johnson's publications, Ebony. The man who said he wanted to thank those who made it possible for him to be the sole owner. At that time, the company was worth almost a billion dollars. And he was the sole owner. He said, today I want to thank those who made it possible for me to be the sole owner. Do you know why? Because when he needed them to invest in the business, which will have made him part with 75% of the equity, they refused. I don't know whether you get the point. He told them this business will do well. They looked at it. A magazine focusing on black people. How will he make money? How will he? So they refused. He talked, mm -hmm, they refused. So he had no choice but to go and borrow the money he was asking them to invest. So decades later, he owned 100% and he felt that he needed to thank them for refusing him that favor. That if they had done him that favor and if the company had still done well as, it, I mean, as at that day, he would have owned only a quarter of it. So he said, guys, thank you very much. I will never forget you for your kindness. What does he call kindness now? Denier. Pastor Paul Adifras will tell you. You know how he started house on the rock? Frustration. It was frustration. Don't think that the Lord called him, My son Paul Adeolu Adifrasin. I have anointed thee and have called thee. Thou shalt go to Lagos. He came home, something, something happened. They refused to renew his visa. He was going back to London. I think I was pastoring for only one church at that time. I was going back to London. They refused. They refused. They said, ah, they're not giving you. He tried everything. Now, listen. If they deny, maybe they deny you listening to me. I don't know who you are. This, I know you won't feel too bad. I say, ah, I try. It not work. But this one, he schooled in the United States of America. He has a bachelor's in architecture from University of Miami. These are boys who grew up on planes. Are you getting my point? Yes, flying all over the world. 
His father sent them to school all over the place. Don't forget. That is so. It's not as if have you ever gone abroad before? They can't deny you visa because you've gone. They had gone. The London he was going back to, he was living there. He just came home. Some give me my visa. Nalayo. Those guys there. No, we ain't giving it to you. If you like, go and call the police. They didn't say that. I'm just embellishing the story. That was how House on the Rock started in Lagos. The inability to get a visa to go back to London. I hope you are getting my point. Let me say something to you. It is not every time God comes to whisper to people, My son, I have called thee. Thou art anointed to start a church. Thou art anointed to start a business. I have called thee. No. Some people, you know what just happened to them? They look left, look right. There is nothing to eat. No food. But now they say that, well, instead of starving to death, I will be frying Akara in this place. It's better than nothing. And God had ordained that if you don't fry that Akara, your destiny is suspended. I know what happened. Somebody will just keep being, say, in Agochov, maybe your neighbor has been watching, say, this children have been looking at the way, in the morning, the way they'll be standing around. They never chop. So he just came back, so he dashed the man plenty of beans. And one angel said, you won't chop everything? He said, no, fry some of it. Except that the first time he fried the Akara, the man realized that he could double, you know, maybe that first day he made 1,000 naira. You know, 1,000 naira for a man that has not had money in a long time, it's a lot of money. So he went out, bought small egg, bought bread, fried it, the children ate. Ah! The guy threw caution, you know, like shame. By the way, some people will never prosper because they are too... They, they, they still get shame for their face. I shame see their face. You know, you know, no, 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 no. I can't do that kind of thing now. Oh, so people will be laughing at me. Poverty will laugh at you eventually. <laughs> no matter what I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's what happened to some people. So some people are waiting saying, and the Lord has not told me what to start our business yet. You are still there, waiting for the Lord to talk. God speaks in different ways. One of the major ways he talks is through hunger. I hope you know this is a, is a, is a serious way he talks. So that guy doesn't want to go there. Okay, close every door. Make sure he's hungry. Then put food through the only door that is open. So every time he passes that door, he will see food at the end. Say, so my calling is this door. Okay, stay at that door. He will bang on that door. My calling is this door. He will bang on that door. Bang, bang. He said, if any angel opens that door, I send you to join Lucifer. <laughs> Uh, finally, finally, say this door is not my calling, but there's no sin inside it. I'll be waiting at the door for there just for one week, and I'll go back and face my ministry because it's no problem. Just enter the place. No, God leads people different ways, different ways. Now, let me get back to my message. The issue is this there is no reason for anybody to lose hope because if you do, you can't even pray effectively. You can't. It's when God's word has bested expectation in you. And what am I saying? Listen. God is in charge of your destiny. Give me an amen. amen. Failure is part of the pro- pro- process. Give me another amen. amen. A man who has failed, the woman who has failed, doesn't mean the fellow is a failure. I hope you're getting my point. Failure is a learning process. That here, amen. amen. Too much success is bad for you. It's true. It's a matter of fact. You know what, you know what um, this man said? Bill Gates. He says, success is a lousy teacher. It deceives smart people into thinking they can never fail. 
So smart people are deceived into thinking they can never fail. Listen, what you are becoming in life is what matters to God. Like I was talking about the man in the Akara business, whatever it is, from which God is going to bring forth something. God said, if I don't pass him through that, this destiny will never come out. If Joseph's brothers did not conspire against him, how will he get to Egypt? I hope you're getting my point. If everything works well in the house of Potiphar, how will he get into prison? If he doesn't get to prison, how will he meet the man that I want to use? I need him to be kept where Pharaoh will find him. Too much prosperity, you'll be flying up and down. When Pharaoh is in trouble, Joseph will call him from Tahiti. My wife and I came here for holiday. What's happening? Pharaoh is dreaming. Okay, tell him to see their sister dream, uh, dream an analyst. Uh, 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 Reverend Israel, please help me analyze that dream. If you can't get it right, okay, let me know. <laughs> you know why? He's in Tahiti. He's, he's, he's sipping, he's sipping a colata. What do they call that? Thing? Uh-huh. They are deceiving him that this is life. Pharaoh can't find him. Like we said the other time, Joseph, no, imagine that your name is Joseph. Will you be angry with his Potiphar? You won't be angry, say. Ah, madam, how now? You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. I hope you are repented, though. You are, you be angry with her. Personal anger, no. Ah, madam, how's everything? How's the family? How are the children? She'll be the one that's moving back. I'm fine, your majesty. <laughs> this is so nice for Miss Potiphar to tell Joseph. I'm fine, your majesty. <laughs> Have you got to my point? Let me repeat my message again. There is no reason for any Christian, any child of God to cast away hope. Hope is in God. It's only the prisoners that have hope that God is going to give double for all their troubles. I hope you're getting my point. What is hope? Let's define it our own way. It's knowing that God has kept something good for you at the end. Despite what is going on right now. What is hope? All things work together for good. For me. Yes, that's it. I like that. What is hope? Say it. All things work together for good for me. Say that again. All things work together for good for me. Now, all things mean what? Means what? All things. If it's good, fine. If it looks bad, fine. Our hope will never be disappointed because it's not fixed on a shakable thing. What will my destiny be like is not what my background is like. Sometimes I see parents struggling. My child must study this course, must study this course. It makes me laugh. All I just want is my children must be well educated. I don't just want you to get certificates. I want you to be. I want your head to be full of knowledge, understanding. When you speak, I want you to speak with insight. Now you go and give me um, straight A's. You're a physics student, engineering student, you gave me straight A's. They say, when is democracy day? You're not even aware it has shifted to May, to June 12th. I hope you get what I'm saying. That's where I view life. Like I tell my children, I want to watch TV. I say, go and watch National Geographic. So I like one thing my children, one of the things that they do, they gather around, bring games. Science of stupid. These are programs on National Geographic. I keep on telling them, you have to learn. I showed them the other day that the Bible says that the fool gives, sorry, the wise man gives attention to learning. There was some proverb we were reading, and we sat on it. 
You must know that the sky is up and the ground is down. Well, you go and cram something and come out with, a, with an A. Yet, we ask you, you know, the other day they asked a Harvard graduate, engineering graduate from Harvard, to light a light bulb. They gave them electric cell, you know, this normal battery. Gave them wire and gave them a bulb, say light it. And nine out of ten could not. I'm not lying, no. you can go and check this, it's a video still on YouTube. They're like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> no, no, they're like, Light the bulb. <laughs> Many of these so-called Harvard graduates, let me tell you the truth. I'm not speaking down on anybody, it's a matter of fact. Eh? It's when they leave there, they start learning. You say, what do I mean? Listen, somebody will say he's a Harvard graduate. He will employ him. I hope I get my point. And then show him. And then, of course, because he's basically intelligent, he learns fast. He has nothing to do with being from Harvard. If you had given a UNN graduate the same job, I am telling you the truth. I'm not lying to you. He will do it well too. For time's sake, I won't start proving it to you. But I'm not saying something here. Someone, someone, people say, "My child, my study." I say, "Leave this thing. Don't hang hope on a particular subject." All the children who are studying, they go now. At the end of the day, when Dangote opens refinery next year, they will be there looking for work, and they will not say, "God, Dangote, where's your, where's your certificate?" They won't. What everybody needs is what the blessing of God. We hang our hope on it. That is why I believe very strong, not from the east, nor from the west, or from the south comes exaltation. God is judge. So I'm not running anywhere to go and look for anything. And neither will my children run anywhere to go and look for anything. I hang my hope in God. He said, teach them righteousness and justice so that I can fulfill the promise that I have given to your family. That's what matters to me. Let's ask our Let us pray. Let's just do thanksgiving. Let's give a lot of thanks. Let's give a lot of thanks. Because our hope is in him. That's it. Mm-hmm. Is in you, Lord, my strength? Is in you, Lord, my hope? Is in you, Lord? It's in you. It's in you. Let's give him thanks because our hope is in him. 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 Let's give him thanks for that. I want you to start giving thanks for failures. The one that you have experienced. Give thanks. Give thanks for the failures you have experienced. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks for the failure that you have experienced. I want you to ex- take time out today and give God thanks for that. Give thanks for disappointment. Give thanks for disappointment. Give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks. Oh, give him thanks. Say, Lord, help me. Let me not cast away my confidence. My confidence that is in you. This confidence that has a great recompense of reward. The Bible says. This confidence that has a great recompense of reward. Say, Lord, let me not cast it away. Let me not cast it away. Let me not cast it away. Let me not cast away this confidence. My hope is in you. You are the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my life. Give God the Lord thanks. Recognize Him this evening. Say, Lord, you are the Lord of my life. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Father, you are the owner, the planner of my life. I want you to declare, the lines are falling for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. Declare that at least five times. Say it loud, say it loud. The lines are falling for me in pleasant places. I have a good heritage. The lines are falling for me. They have fallen for me in pleasant places. No matter what it looks like, I declare, the lines are falling for me in pleasant places. My heritage is good to me. 
God's plan for my life is good. The lines are falling for me in pleasant places. God's heritage is good. It's good. It's good in my life. Declare it. All things are working together for my good. What is hope? All things are working together for my good because I love God. And I'm called according to His purpose. Declare like you believe it. All things are working together for my good because I love the Lord. Failure is working for my good. Disappointments are working for my good. Wrong accusations are working for my good. False imprisonment, that is imprisonment for false accusations. Like in Joseph's case, they're working for my good. My father rejects me. My mother rejects me. He's working for my good. My name is David. <laughs> All things are working together for my good. All things are working together for my good. Samuel has anointed me. Yes, it may have brought me trouble, but I'm anointed. You must declare that. It may have brought me trouble, but I am anointed. It may have brought me trouble, but I'm anointed. I am anointed. I am anointed. It may have brought me trouble, but I am anointed. I am anointed. You know, David, after being anointed, he had a lot of trouble. I said, therefore, I am going to the place of divine destiny. My destiny is manifesting. Are you talking there? You are talk, taking charge. My destiny is manifesting. God will take his glory in my life. God will take his glory in my life. He will make all grace abound towards me. I will have all sufficiency in all things. And I will abound to every good work. Through me, God will show his excellency in this land. My life will sing forth his praises. My life will show forth the praises of the Almighty God. My life will show forth his praises. My life will show that God causes light to come out of darkness. That the light of God will shine in my darkness. It will break every darkness. Because he has spoken to me. He said, light be. He has said concerning the enemies of my soul. He said, let destruction come over them. He has said concerning confusion. Let destruction come upon it. He has said concerning poverty. Let destruction come upon it. Hopelessness. He has destroyed it. He has spoken concerning these enemies. Declare it loud. I'm not without hope. I may be a prisoner, but I'm a prisoner of hope. I'm returning to my stronghold, holding on to hope that I have in Christ Jesus. Because the Lord is giving me double for all my troubles. He's restoring double to me. The Lord is restoring double to me. The Lord is restoring double to me. Declare the Lord is restoring double to me. The Lord is restoring double to me. Yes, where I failed before, I'm learning the, the wisdom of the Almighty. And I'm expressing the wisdom of the Almighty. I want you to declare that I forgive, therefore, every Mrs. Potiphar, every Potiphar that did not listen to my explanation. I forgive them. I forgive my brothers. Ah, <laughs> are you afraid to forgive? Declare it. I forgive my brothers who sold me into slavery. Those who did not let you know there was an advertisement for a job so that they, only them would take it. Forgive them now. Yes, there is no need. Declare today again, I forgive my brothers. I forgive everyone who has conspired against me. Because they have meant it for evil. They may have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Declare it again, all things are working together for my good. All things are working together for my good. All things are working together for my good. 
all things are working together for my good. In the name of Jesus, we have praised. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name. All right, as we depart from here, goodness will go with you. Mercy, God's mercy will go with you. In the name of Jesus Christ. If any mistake you are making is causing you troubles, God will give you correction. We know God never blesses disobedience, but he teaches those that love him in the way they should choose. Listen, I feel like praying for every young woman. No man will use niceness to, to deceive you. Amen. The Lord will reveal their hearts to you in the name of Jesus Amen. Christ. The Lord will reveal their, their hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. In this life, no country will even use economy to deceive you. Amen. The purpose and destiny of God will control your decisions. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you, it will be well with you. Amen. In all that you do, you will prosper. Amen. God will open a special door for you through which you will manifest your destiny. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, bless the people around you quickly. This is your season.